Aloha, this is Jeff Cobb and you're listening to Pro Wrestling Post from Canada. Toronto, eh? What's up? You are listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with Mark Madison. This episode's guest is Jeff Cobb. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. Find the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Android, or whatever your preferred podcast app is. And now, here's Mark Madison. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. I'm joined by Mr. Athletic, Jeff Cobb. Uh, sir, I have not used that moniker in a year and a half. Oh, explain. What, why the change? Why the, why the different direction in name? Because I'm not athletic anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's more agile, I guess. I guess uh, you can call me Mr. Pathetic. Oh, uh, ouch. I'm ouch. kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, professional wrestling, it's seen you kind of change and go in different directions. You amateur background been trained, uh, what have you found technically the biggest differences between amateur and pro? Oh, selling. Yeah. Because like in amateur wrestling, you don't show that you're hurt. Yeah. Because that's an, a weakness that they attack. Yeah. So, but in, uh, in pro wrestling, it's the, the drama, the, the theatrics of it is something that we, we don't get taught in amateur wrestling. So when you, but you can still you can still pick up on somebody's uh, flaws. You can pick up on a weakness, though. How do you navigate through that and say a technical kind of an amateur match? Because if you've worked on somebody or, or got them when you're grappling on the ground, if you know that the area is weak, how can you tell there's maybe somebody that from a distance couldn't see it? Uh, I mean, you just kind of make everything a lot better than normal. Yeah. Um, it's weird because, like, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my... Uh, my surroundings. Okay. So like someone like let's say back in the Telly Blanchard days, ninety nine percent of the folks had a shoot background, maybe even a hundred percent. And like a lot of places where let's say I don't know, I'm just picking people out of the air, like a Magnum TA person. You know, they just they were legit tough guys and legit badasses. Can I say badass? You could totally. right. yeah. So they were legit tough guys. Um, there's a couple, I know a couple territories that said if you went out and you lost in a bar fight, you get fired from that territory. Mm-hmm. Same concept. So, uh, that's kind of gone the wayside now, like a lot of, and it's not a knock on people, it's just a lot of people don't have that amateur background or like a, like a quote unquote shoot background, I guess. So it's kind of hard. I don't wrestle a lot per se, because like I've, I've wrestled a lot of people where they said, yeah, let's, let's shoot wrestle, and then they flop like a fish, and I get hit in the face, and I get angry. So I don't like that. So, yeah, if I know you can't wrestle, I'm not going to wrestle. Uh, okay. I'll just, so, just kick you and throw you. Nice. As you should, probably, because yeah. they had that coming. Cheap plug. <laughs> <laughs> um, wrestling coaches all lend themselves to different techniques, different strategies, between, say, Neil Kratz... Sabaki, Alder John, what, have, what were you able to walk away from between amateur and pro and those coaches? What did they lend you some, what knowledge did you walk away from with each? Some people, because from what I've heard, everybody can teach you how to do a suplex. Right. But there's those intangibles that some people have a different finesse. Well, I mean, I think it's, 
Well, the Neil the Neil Kranz one is more like an amateur wrestling coach. Mm-hmm. Um, the other guys that coached me along the way that it's kind of like, uh, like I guess you can put it as I like to cook chicken this way, mm-hmm. but that's not that's not the right way. That's not the only way. So you kind of pick up, you know, like you go to cooking school, you go to culinary classes, you know, uh, Chef Ramsay might teach you one thing, and uh, the chick with the big nose, Gianna. <laughs> She'll teach you another way. Yeah. She'll teach you another way to cook chicken. So you just kind of pick up a little bit of everything, and then you make your own recipe, and voila, you have a souffle. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, that's way off, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Right. So, it, it, would you say it's uh, somebody's t- taught you more about psychology? One was more developing your character. One was uh, well, how to prepare yeah, for the camera. Like, in Hawaii, it was more so just the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I moved out to California, trained with Oliver John, that was more. Um, the more or less like the why why are we doing things like because right. I like in Hawaii I would hit everything I would do all my moves every show right. and, and the kitchen sink and some moves I never do and then when I got to California he's like well why are you doing all these moves you know what I'm saying so it's one of those things it's like he, he I learned physically in Hawaii and I learned psychology the more I got out and like training with like, guys like Oliver John like Chavo Guerrero and guys like that that teach teach you stuff that you can't it's it's something that's like from years of doing wrestling like the more you do it like then you, it clicks one day you're like oh crap I'm why am I doing that yeah well I mean you you said you used to do or you did a ton of different things in one area but not so much once you went over to California is less more or did you feel that yeah well I, I again it's one of those things is like as I trained with like guys like Oliver John and Chavo Guerrero, there's like like a lot. The main question that I did after a match was like, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Like, there's a reason to do things, and but yeah, it's like a band aid. Just rip it. Just rip it off. But yeah, like the more you know, like it is. It is that that uh, adage is true. The less is more. I mean, if you, like, one of my favorite matches I've ever watched was uh, Ric Flair versus uh, Ricky Steamboat, I believe it was a Chi-Town Rumble. That's my go-to match, by the way, guys, look it up. But yeah, it's, they, I think the biggest thing they did was, like, a suplex, a bunch of chops, a hip toss, uh, a flare bump, and I think the, yeah, I think the finish was a small package, so, like, they didn't do any 450s or... Or shooting star presses, which I can do, but I choose not to. But yeah, yeah, it used to be. But yeah, so like I, I mean, like you go back to those things, and you know, it, it meant more. They they didn't use moves to get them into the match. They use emotion and, and and feeling and energy to get them hooked into the thing. Yeah, but I, it's. Do you think that today's audience wouldn't cater to that if you tried to have a nice six a sixty minute match? Telling the psychology that a steamboat flare did, but today I think I think it can if done right. Yeah. Uh, but I think a lot of, I mean, geez, I can't sit through a three-hour raw, let alone. I mean, but if done right, uh, I can get involved. I can. So, I can get so what would what would be to Jeff? What was done right? What would you but think? That's that subjective, though. Right. Like, okay. What's right for me wouldn't be like if I would like it. Doesn't mean you would like it yeah. or. Joe Schmo, right. average guy. But the story's being told throughout. As yeah, long as like if the story's being told and the emotions there, because like 
you can watch a great movie like Infinity War. Mm -hmm. I cry. Oh, I didn't cry. But when Peter Parker, wait, this is a spoiler. So if you haven't seen Infinity War, when Peter Parker's going and he goes, Mr. Stark, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And he's gone. Oh, man. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're 12 or 30 or 50. It tugs at your, your strings, man. So like that kind of stuff. If the emotion's there and it, it pulls you in, it doesn't matter if you like hardcore flippy shit or technical wrestling. Yeah. It's it's there. It's that emotion there. Okay. Nice. I didn't cry, mind you. Un unrelated, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy finally part two or volume two yesterday. Did you cry when, when Zandu did I was just, just Yondu, sorry. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. He sacrificed for it. He did. He's uh, like his dad. Raised him up. He was. I wish I could whistle like him. You know who can whistle like Yondu? Who? Phoenix. Actually, I'll go to yours, but whatever. <laughs> Sorry, going off topic. <laughs> um, when did the decision be to become a pro wrestler kind of come about? Why make that transition? Oh, I've always wanted to be a pro wrestler. Oh. Uh, I would watch Saturday mornings. Um, I know I'm dating myself, but they had primetime wrestling. Uh, ESPN in America or in Hawaii had it was Global Wrestling Federation at the time. Uh, I did see a little bit of NWA, but in Hawaii it was more so a global for uh, global wrestling and WWF. Like NWA didn't really have a presence in Hawaii, but I did play the Nintendo game and I had that one. Um, I also had their the WCW action figures. Which one? Um, this. Which games, which... Oh, uh, the games, whatever was on Nintendo. It had, like, Legion of Doom, Lex Luger, uh, Ric Flair, and then uh, the the action figures was, I think it was Galoob. Oh, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't move. They didn't move, yeah. yeah. Like, Those Lex Luger, Arn Anderson ones. There's no Telly Watcher. I don't know why there wasn't Telly Watcher in that one. Don't understand it's it. Stupid. But it should have happened. <laughs> Just saying. But, no, but, yeah, uh, yeah, I... Collected all the action figures. I bought all the PWIs, all the WWFs. That's how I learned about wrestling. So, my favorite wrestler growing up, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, called Hawaii home. Was that an influence? Not an influence? No. You, no, well, because as a kid, again, I'm dating myself, but I think 99% of the kids in the world was a Hulk Hogan fan. Mm. So, I mean, sheesh. I even bought his stupid vitamins. And it didn't even work for me. I was a scrawny kid. <laughs> Then I find out as an adult, he was taking other vitamins, <laughs> stronger ones. But dang, Nevit. Oh, but yeah. So I mean, I'll, I was hooked as a kid. Did you ever indulge in pasta mania? That was something. That was a. He had a business, a side business. He was. It's called Pasta Mania. When he was with oh, WC, yeah, when he was with WCW, oh. he was. He had no, well, see the thing. I didn't get into WCW until about '97, like November, December '97. Right, right. Because I. Um, like middle school, high school, I moved to Guam, mm -hmm. and they didn't have TNT or TBS on our stations. We only had USA, Correct. so I only watched WC or WWE or F, sorry WWF at the time. Mm -hmm. But I knew about WCW through the PWS. Right. So. Uh, Hawaii's home, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. um, spent two weeks. My sister got married there. But um, do you see it kind of being like Puerto Rico, where there's kind of a, a prospering developmental or populated area of wrestlers that may come flourish from that area or not so I don't much. know I've never been to Florida or uh, Puerto Rico Hawaii 
Hawaii, what are you compared it to? Puerto Rico? I, I'm, I'm comparing Hawaii to Puerto Rico. So yeah. would they have, because oh, okay. they've, they've had, they've had um, well, promotions. Hawaii has talent. They just, like, they get, it's an island. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people say, like people that wrestle, that start off in California have a harder time because it's so far away from all the action. Whereas like in California, you have like, like PCW is huge, PWG is huge. Opera Wrestling yeah. from the really famous Beyond the Mat series. Mm-hmm. And then that's pretty much it when you think of West Coast. Whereas you come to the East Coast, you have blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You can name like 10. And they're all within like a five-hour drive. Why do you think that is? Well, it's just so far away. Like, mm-hmm. And America's huge. You know, yeah. like you go to England, yeah. like you can take a train an hour and then be in like, or actually probably about two hours you can be in uh, Glasgow, Scotland for ICW. Yeah. Uh, you can take an hour flight and be in uh, in Dublin, Ireland for OTT. Right. You can take an hour flight and be in Germany for WXW, or the great shows that are around the, the London area within an hour. Or so it's it's a lot smaller. It's easier to get to places. Whereas like East Coast is the same concept. Right. Uh, I was on a Ring of Honor show last night in Philadelphia. Yeah. Go across the bridge. You're in New Jersey. Hour and a half away. You're in Baltimore, which has great companies all around. So. Yeah. It's easier to get that out there. And then if people say California is tough, Hawaii is a five-hour plane ride from California. Right. So that's even tougher. So yeah. no, I mean, promoters had a hard, I had a hard time getting booked for promoters getting flights from California, okay. let alone, let alone uh, Hawaii. Like, no one's going to find from Hawaii. This is the bottom line. No yeah. one's going to find from Hawaii. Well, just in talking to some promoters here, that on the east coast of say Canada, they'll they'll go uh, province to province, which is still smaller shows, but you're still filling arenas. I just don't know if there'd be um, opposing promotions in Hawaii that might develop or no. There's only one, one yeah. company out there. Yeah. When I first started, there was three. Yeah. No, one was a backyard fed. One was a dying company. It was an NWA NWA affiliate. Okay. And uh, and yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, there wasn't really much. Just, and then the NWA affiliate died out, and AZW was the only one around. That's where I started. So. Nice. Shout out AZW. <laughs> um, competing for small promotions and on television kind of lends itself to some differences, right? Um, competing in front of the camera, not necessarily, and you have a smaller crowd. Uh, what have you found maybe the biggest differences or maybe the adjustments that you had to make between competing in a smaller promotion as opposed to maybe wrestling on television? Uh, I don't think it, like, like the television stuff, it's more so playing, like the one thing that threw me off, the first time I ever worked the TV company was in California for Chapter Wrestling from Hollywood, where they only had a bleacher seating, and then the hard cam was on the stage, and then it was it was weird because... They said plates with a hard cam. But I was like, well, there's nobody up there. There's like two guys holding it with the camera. I was like, do my post to these guys? Like, hey, hey, Jim. But all the fans are behind me. So that's like the, the only thing is, but like on the indies, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. Because you can still play the hard cam, but there's so much energy from from the indie crowd. So uh, that's the only difference is just the hard cam stuff. Yeah, that's really all the only difference to yeah. tell you between Yeah, TV and then And then um, I did a... A TV program for a company called Ring Warriors. That was the first time I ever had to work through a commercial break. Mm-hmm. It was weird. 
So, I got hit. So, Eli how did, Drake, Jag Nabbit, I wrestled him and we went to commercial and he hit me. He put a banana in my mouth, which is very, very. Austin Aries. Yeah. Well, Aries is at the table at the time. But Eli Drake put a stupid banana in my mouth and he threw water at me. I was like, oh, you bastard. Then we came back and, you know, we didn't have any banana. <laughs> I wasn't even hungry at the time. But, yeah. Um, you've been all over Japan, North America, UK, um, talent emerging from different areas. To date, what would you say, uh, where have you consistently found the best competition, the most challenging competition? Because everywhere's like booming. Through match-wise? Match-wise? Um, um, well, I think it's, it's, it's hard to say with North America because, like, like WWE's literally signing all the talents away. Um... Like, I don't know, like the UK has some great, I don't know, it, everywhere has some great, great action. Like, like when I went to Japan, I was like, geez, like there's Okada, there's Ishii, there's Suzuki, there's a Tanahashi still going strong. And then you guys got, then you got the imports, like a Juice Robinson, who's made a huge name for himself when he was just a little CJ Parker yeah. hippie guy. I hope he doesn't hear this now. <laughs> But then, I mean, then you go to Canada, and, like, I wrestled uh, Josh Alexander on Friday, who doesn't, who got his visa denied, which sucks, like, yeah. stupid America. But, yeah, like, there's talent all over the place, and, like, I think it's just everybody, you know, and an exchange of talent would be good. Like, so, like, this also. Is, like, in Japan, everybody knows who Tanahashi is. I've seen girls cry for him at, at truck stops. Um... One time I heard, I mean, I don't know, I, she's not getting in trouble if I name drop her, but Tessa Blanchard is a huge, huge Tanahashi fangirl. But, I don't know, if she hears this, I hope she hears this, but yeah. She's a huge fangirl. She may. She yeah. may. But like, okay. like, but, oh, an Okada, oh my god, even Okada. Yeah. A Rainmaker. I, oh, every time we Rainmakers, that's my tears falling, because he's such a, but yeah, like, going back to, the, yeah, but like, <laughs> so like, everybody, well, except for that, Horrible TNA run he did when he was Samoa Joe's second, but Okada's a huge star, and now he's getting a chance to go in other places. Like he's coming to America now. Like he's wrestled in Long Beach and Cow Palace and all that, and now he's getting like England and wherever. Like it's being able for other people to be able to see him and get that platform of what kind of a star he actually is. He's he's an amazing talent. So stuff like that, like Josh Alexander is another one, for example, like, his visa got denied, he can't come to America to showcase his abilities, which he has in the past, but now, you know what, screw it, our loss, America's loss will be Europe's game, will be Japan's game, will be Australia's game, so, and, and then another prime example from Australia, Australia's a booming, a booming wrestling country now, yeah. uh, Jonah Rock, Chris Brooks, Adam Brooks, I'm probably missing a few, which I'm, a Tony Storm, like, a lot of females are coming out there as well, but a lot of males were getting their recognition, so you know, it's, it's good. They they get stars there. We can just do like a little exchange. You know, Jordan Rock comes to PWG, tears tear stuff up. Um, Brian Cage, Tessa Blanchard, Jeff Cobb, Brody King will go down to Australia and tear stuff over there, and let them see some cool fans that are cool. Let fans see what they're not normally used to seeing. Um, what do you think some of that allure from some of the talent has come from? Akata and Tanahashi, uh, you're getting so emotional over them. 
Not necessarily you, it's, but, um, <laughs> but... It's just the, the way that Japan trains. It's awesome, that the way they train. Like, they don't take no BS. Like, I've seen the young boys. I've heard stories of the young... Like, a prime example is, like, I bugged CJ, or, well, running Joe. I call, so Joey, uh, Juice Robinson, and David Finley. Uh-huh. David Finley is the son of Fit Finley. Juice Robinson was an NXT superstar, but they both went through the young boy system where they were wearing the black trunks, they were putting up the ring, taking down the ring. If you watch Wrestle Kingdom from, I believe it was two or three years ago, you would see Juice Robinson, you know, when they do a dive, they're over there catching them and putting the ice packs on their shoulders. So, the way that the Japanese train is they teach them to be humble. They start from the beginning, so, yeah. Could you ever see that maybe happening here? No. Why, why so much? Hold on. No problem. Um, why, why do you, we're, why we're, is it more, so you think it's more society? I don't think, yeah, I think it's more of a societal issue. Like, I don't see that a young boy happening in America, not at all. Um, which is kind of putting my foot in my mouth because it's happening right now in Long Beach mm-hmm. where there's a, uh, a new crowd, they have a dojo out there where they have young boys now. But that's only 1% of 20,000. Like, that couldn't work all over America. Yeah. Just because, well, from what I've seen on the indie scene and helping out schools and stuff, a lot of the wrestlers are entitled, they feel entitled to do something. Like, mm-hmm. I should be main eventing or whatever. Like, they're not gonna, they don't have that mindset to go through the young book. Well, not all of them. Like, let me, rep- let me retrace my steps here. Not all of them. Yeah. A majority of them don't have the mentality to go through that. I follow Brutal Bob Evans on, on Facebook, and he often will give pieces of advice. You know, there isn't a sense of entitlement. What are you doing to get yourself known? Um, nothing is automatically handed, but it seems like, is it a millennial thing? Or I think it's a millennial thing, oh. definitely. Um, there's a lot of people that aren't willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't want to, like, I don't know, for some reason, like, like a Tessa Blanchard comes to my, my top of my head. She's not relying off of her name. She's going on there doing the work. Mm-hmm. Where, I don't know, like, why wouldn't, like, you could use that, but you don't. You choose not to. You'd rather go do the hard work. But wouldn't the pressure be double on, on someone like Tessa? Yeah, but, and then putting in the hard work just help. Like, it's just showing people, like, she's not willing to just take the, take the easy route. Right. you know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, it's, it's more of that kind of stuff. Like, like you want to do hard work? Nah. You know, like Brutal Bob is is totally fine. I agree with a lot of what he says. Because like, they're like where, where I came from in California, I heard so many people complaining and just bitching about how come I can't get booked or how come you, like this company won't book me or how like I won't get flown anywhere like because you're not putting in the work. Mm-hmm. You're you're just complaining and staying in your bubble. Mm-hmm. And then people shit on me. Pardon my French, but they shit on me because like I don't want to be just there yeah. you know I was like I want to do other stuff so I'm with, like when I was my first year in California I did I did the drives I worked for 10 bucks 20 bucks sometimes I didn't get paid I drove the 6 hours t- did the show turned around drove back not a big deal because it's a sacrifice you know mm-hmm. <coughs> um, during your time in uh, when prominent promotion PWG you had the opportunity to be a part of Bola yep, yep. um 
What is it about that particular tournament? Uh, I know that here in Smash, they, they had the Northern, which would probably be maybe a Canadian uh, comparison to it. What is it about that particular tournament that people either just want to be a part of or win or lose? Oh, it's, it's a huge tournament. Uh, you look at past bowl winners, and they usually go on and win PWG titles, and then they end up being in uh, WWE or NXT or a bigger prominent role in the pro wrestling world. Mm -hmm. like, like PWG is... When you, when you look at the old, well, in the old, I should say PWG, in the older, in the Reseda yeah. building, uh, you'd have guys like Kevin Owens, uh, Sami Zayn, Gargano, Ciampa, Daniel Bryan, I mean, the list goes on and on, in this tiny American Legion post, in this human sweat box, doing what they love. And then that's the place to be. Everybody wants to be there. You know, like... Uh, for example, my first bolo was two years ago. Uh, uh, Jack Gallagher mm -hmm. was supposed to be on it. He got signed to WWE. WWE pulled him. Tommaso Ciampa didn't have to be there. He said, I want to be there. Let's do it. And he stepped in, stepped in, did it. Mm -hmm. um, guys like, like Drew Galloway didn't have to be there. Yeah. He wanted to be there. So it's like, <clears throat> like PWG has a rich history. It's definitely a place to be. Nice. Um, you see yourself ever being a part of it in the future? Uh, PWG? Uh, or just even that tournament, the Bolo tournament. Moving uh, forward. Well, I mean, I mean, the next, this 2018 one. Uh, post-2018. Like, do you see yourself? Oh, yeah. yeah. As long, as long do they as... reach out to you, or how does that necessarily work to you? Um, well, I, Chris Hero and Sammy Callahan went to bat for me. Mm -hmm. And I got in because of them. Okay. And then, the rest is history. Nice. There's a lot of people that get brought in and don't ever come back and then they get bitter yes. but it's up to you it's up to you it's up to the fans yeah. it's like American Idol almost how you received yeah um, you talked about people being part of that moved on NXT WWE Impact uh, former tag partner of yours um, showed up on NXT recently yeah. um, we talked a little bit about Matt Riddle and uh, that working relationship and thoughts of him and how everything kind of, how that working relationship works and then friendship and then... You mean you want me to cry? You, <laughs> I'm kidding. I won't cry. No, like, could. Matt Riddle is in him. Like, he's one of my bros. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not crying, I have something in my throat, really. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because my first bola was his first bola. Um, we, we only wrestled in the 10-man tag with the thumb in the butt of Jushin Lager and the little train. But we had a we had a pair off sequence where all we did was wrestle, and that was the clip that got us over really. Um, and then we wrestled, and then PWG thought, you know what? Let's team these two badasses up, and we've been kicking names and taking asses. Or no, that's wrong. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah. But we've been kicking booty since, yeah. and it was funny because like. Uh, PWG would be the only ones that would book us as a team. Because realistically, like, who's going to be us? But then, you know, like, it just turned into, not a love affair, but, like, you, they, we've been on shows together. We've been opponents, partners, uh, roommates. Funny roommate. Funny roommate. But, yeah, like, we've been, like, we've been super close since. And um, I remember he mentioned, like, you know, he was at a dilemma. He's like, what do I do? I said, 
do what you need to do, man. Take care of your family. Take care of you. Your star, be a star. Make that money. Make that money, honey. Opportunity I docks. Honey. I didn't say the honey part, man. Opportunity yeah, docks. You yeah. got to jump at it, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I sure. I'm not the reason why he decided to sign, but uh, yeah. I mean, he's. I felt honored that he asked my opinion of yeah. what he should do. And, yeah. I mean, he's a star. Dag nabbit. <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier you had a chance <clears throat> to be. You were on a recording of. Uh, Ring of Honor showing up recently, TV tapings, mm-hmm. being a part of that. How'd that all come about? Um, well, again, Ring of Honor is another, it's another weird connection because uh, I worked with uh, I worked with All Pro Wrestling in the Bay Area from the uh, Beyond the Mat days. And in, in 2000, 2000, they had a King, uh, King of Indies tournament. And on that one, I believe Daniel Bryan defeated Loki in the finals. I could be mistaken. It might be the other way around. But based off of that, Ring of Honor saw it, and they wanted to do that. And vicariously through all that, Ring of Honor was born because of the King of Indies. <clears throat> and again, like PWG, Ring of Honor was another company that a lot of future WWE superstars and title holders came through or came from. You know, like Danny Bryan, Kevin Owens, Generico, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, you know, so it's a good feeder system, but it's not just a feeder system. Ring of Honor is a huge entity. Case in point, WrestleMania weekend, we sold out the Madison Square Garden, 17,000 tickets. So they got to be doing something right. Yeah. <clears throat> um, has that lineage, right? You wanted to be connected with it too. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, we are just past the midway point of, uh, just past, a couple months past the midway point of 2018. What do you have, uh, what's in store for the balance of the year for Jeff Cobb and beyond? For the rest of the year? And beyond, yeah. Oh, um, well, I won't say anything yet about beyond, but uh, right now I'm happy with what I'm doing. You know, get to travel the world and throw suplex parties all over the nation, world, continents. I would like to wrestle in Antarctica. I was talking about that with Matt Cross. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do a show in Antarctica. All cold. Yeah. All in, all cold. <laughs> but no, yeah. Like we really, I we sat down at Lucha Underground taping one time and talked about it. We planned out what we could do, how we can do it. So I, don't know, I might do it. Let's see if I can get Ring of Honor aboard. Why not? Sure, it's an untapped market. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. um, was there anything you'd like to promote? Make fans aware of as it pertains to Jeff Cobb. Um, no, just you know, just keep supporting the brown guy. There's a lot of brown guys, but this brown guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's definitely got to support Suplex. That's S P L X, not, not Splex. Suplex. Uh, Suplex Wrestling on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suplex Apparel. If you want to buy stuff, or just you know, just put S P L X and it'll pop up in the search engine. Uh, Twitter I'm getting better at Twitter so interact with me on Twitter because I'm learning real Jeff Cobb because there's some fake ones out there there's a there's a real estate agent it's just a white dude um, there's a guy that always posts political stuff uh, I think there's a coach on there because there's a lot of football stuff and don't worry about them the only one that matters is the real Jeff Cobb the wrestler super yeah. uh, before we let you go curious if you're up for a little game Sure. Okay, so the game we do here on Pro Wrestling Post Podcast is called Wrestling Tinder. So we, wrestling, wrestling Tinder. So we throw you a topic. If you're interested, 
you swipe right. If you're not interested, you swipe left. And I, you know, I learned Twitter. I learned Tinder from guy wrestlers. They teach me these things. I don't know what Tinder get my girlfriend to kill me. Okay, so if I like it, I swipe right, and then you just kind of elaborate on it. Okay, Okay. gotcha. Let's do this. Okay, Um, intergender wrestling. Uh, I'm gonna do two, two of them. Wait, what's swipe right? Is you're interested in the topic? Okay, Um, swipe right. Okay. Go for it. Uh, thoughts? If done right, swipe left, because I personally don't partake in it. Okay. But I can appreciate it if done right. Okay. Um, super. Uh, what would be done right, though, mean? Um, well... It's just because in, in an age where Me Too becomes an issue, and then there's a... You, it, I, I know, I know. I know, I know. I know. But And that's the hard part, right? Is there's always this... You trust each other, just like any agreement, just like right. any relationship, um, and then you've got to change the mindset of some. Well, I don't, I don't. Again, if it suspends your belief, then yeah. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I, I'm a legit two sixty pound, two hundred sixty pound man. Um, there's very few times a girl's gonna throw me, so I. That's why I don't particularly partake in that. But if done right, like I said, if done right. Uh, geez, I don't know, like, I'm gonna go back to, for example, I watched a match with Brian Cage and Tessa Blanchard. Mm-hmm. I thought it was good. That Russell Zirkus. God, all these, man, Tessa, you owe me like 20 bucks for all these cheap plugs. <laughs> 30, not Canadian, because the... Paying coins? Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's one, like, well, I'd rather have Canadian than Mexican pesos. But, yeah, $20 is like 7 million pesos or something like <laughs> that. But yeah. Um, next topic, we talk about wrestlers being protected. Um, we talk about injuries, what happens to them, are companies looking out for them, do they need to be protecting themselves, are we looking at unions, because that's a hard part because they're independent contractors, right? right. So, uh, Swipe right. Okay. For bigger companies, mm-hmm. uh, I think WWE should offer something. Um, I believe they take care of them when they get hurt, but as far as health insurance, I don't think they offer that. Uh, I think the bigger companies should, I, I don't think it costs, too, I, I, that's a totally different topic, but I don't think it costs too much. Uh, because I was working, I remember when I used to do personal training for 24-hour fitness, and I would get great health, ins- health insurance for four bucks a month just for myself. And I think WWE is a bigger company than Twenty Four Fitness. Just, just saying. But I, if I think they should take care of it, because you know, happy, healthy employees mm-hmm. it's just gonna make the product better. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. On behalf of Jeff Cobb. Oh, that was it. That was only two tenders. Well, I, I didn't uh, know how. I didn't know how long we were gonna go, but we could. Um, yeah, one more off the top of your head. Go. Uh, let's see, Lucha Underground. I just want to thank you guys for coming out and supporting Jeff Cobb. Um, follow me on Twitter, real Jeff Cobb. That was a swipe left, uh, a hard swipe left. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> That's a long conversation. That's no. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a nutshell one. Okay. I'm gonna swipe white or not right. Swipe right because the Diplomacy's guys. always good. The guys that uh, are in charge of it, Eric Van Wagen. Uh, Krista Joseph, mm-hmm. wonderful people. They 
fight an uphill battle. Because it's a wrestling company, but they treat us not like wrestlers. Mm -hmm. And there's that weird battle with like them having this vision and wanting to put out there. And this great product because Lucha Underground had a huge buzz. It still does. But there's like, it's just, it's a, uh, people want it. Krista Joseph, great mind, wants to give it to them, but the powers that be don't let it happen. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful for my time there. It was, it's a great company. I enjoyed working with them every time. I got to meet guy, amazing people, amazing talents. I got a chance to showcase my abilities. Granted, it was a mask. But I also got to work with guys like Krista Joseph and Chavo Guerrero and Conan. And guys like that, that helped me further my career. And I got some, you know, it's, it, while I was there, it was beautiful. The, the political side and all that other TV side of it, I mean, we just wanted to wrestle and have, showcase this amazing product. And sometimes we get handcuffed and it's not our fault, but it's whatever. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your time and your energy. Um, on behalf of not Mr. Athletic, yes. Jeff Cobb, this is Mark Madison for the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast with Mark Madison. And thank you to Jeff Cobb for his time. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. And once again, find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Android, or whatever your preferred podcast app is.